Welcome back to the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. We are here once again to talk about the happenings in the world of pro wrestling. Most specifically this week, WWE and AEW. And it was a newsworthy week, especially for the former Wednesday Night War shows, NXT and AEW. Of course... NXT now looks a lot different, and AEW is on their way to potentially their biggest show ever. Well, not potentially. It is their biggest show ever as they head to Arthur Ashe Stadium. You don't want to miss that, but we must get through SmackDown and Raw before that. So I'm going to save all of AEW talk for the end, so we are going to discuss Rampage, and then Dynamite to close out the show. So first off, we are going to discuss SmackDown, and what a SmackDown episode it was. SmackDown emanated live from Madison Square Garden, so you automatically knew it was going to be a major show for WWE, and they did not disappoint. They had two huge matchups. The return of the Beast Brock Lesnar and the return of the Demon Finn Balor. Uh, We will get to that part in a second, but we'll kick off where the show kicked off. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, stare down in the middle of the ring. Brock Lesnar exposes Paul Heyman saying, Why didn't you tell Roman that I was going to be at SummerSlam? And of course, this led to to Brock getting Heyman back on his side for the time being as Reigns and the Usos ran out of the ring. Heyman instantly flipped the switch, doing the whole, the writing, defending, undisputed, you know. Uh, Brock's all pumped up. The crowd's all pumped up. Then Brock takes the mic and says, I'm going to knock your lights out if you don't in three seconds if you don't accept my challenge before... Roman Reigns fires you. So Brock Lesnar is not dealing with Heyman anymore. And this led to Lesnar going for an F5 on Heyman before Reigns and the Usos came in to make the save. Reigns got cleared out because Brock, you know, is Brock. And 
hard to put him down, and the Usos would be the two to pay for it. He would toss them around the ring and show the world that not only is Brock Lesnar back, but Brock Lesnar is, by all accounts, still the beast of WWE. Uh, This was a very hot angle from start to finish. People are wanting to see Brock Lesnar. They want to see this new version take out the Tribal Chief. And it was already made official that at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, it will be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship unless, unless the Demon... Finn Balor is able to take the title. Another major part of this show came in the form of the Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair segment. uh, Becky went in on the crowd saying, you know, you guys are the ones that wanted me back. You were chanting, we want Becky, we want Becky. Well, I was sitting at home with my child And I came back for you. And now you have the audacity to boo me for her, for a flash in the pan. No, 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 no. So she said, instead of joining them, she's going to beat Bianca Belair at Extreme Rules. And this was, by all accounts, the best promo Becky Lynch has had since coming back. This this confirms, I think, to everyone that Becky Lynch can do anything WWE needs her to do. And her in this heel role, you know, despite the questionable way they had Belair lose the title, it is elevating Bianca to the next level. And that is all you can ask for. On this show also was the rematch between Seth Rollins and Edge. And I thought for... You know, being being a TV match, they gave them a lot of time, and they were able to deliver in a massive way. I thought, you know, you, you bring all the factors into it. They wrestled a really good match. They told a really great story. And, you know, towards the end of the match, Edge is clearly on his last legs, and Seth Rollins just keeps kicking him and kicking him and kicking him in the head with no remorse. No remorse, no thought of... I need to stop this. A guy that's broken his neck. There was no remorse by Rollins. And it was a great change in his character. Because after the match, you could see that when he's wrestling, he's not fully in control of himself and he just snaps. Uh, But to go back to the match, he would hit the curb stomp on Edge. Of course, he w- Edge would be stretchered away to further tell the story of how devastating the curb stomp is to someone like Edge, whose neck has been repaired numerous times. And it, it's just a way to continue this into a third match. And the way Rollins had his promo after the match I thought was really good. Because, like I said, he was confused, almost a loss for words, And this isn't the first time we've seen this. We saw him do this with his Fuba Cesaro, where he would, you know, be calm outside of the ring, but, you know, after losses and he'd go insane, he wouldn't know what to do. And we're getting to a point where Seth Rollins is going to snap completely, and I think that will be the next character development for him. 
And I think we have to near it close because uh, his character until this edge feud, I thought was really starting to fall off. But this was a good step. And I'm wondering what their third match will be. It's probably going to be an extreme rules and it's going to be a stipulation match. Maybe they do the extreme rules. We will see. But very good match there. Uh, the main event was the Usos versus the Street Profits. Another great match. Of course, in the end, it was ruined by Roman Reigns, who would put the guillotine choke on Montez Ford to get a disqualification and, unfortunately, end the match for all of us fans. I love this. I really did. I thought this was excellent. The Usos and Street Profits work great together, and they're going to have their rematch. They're going to have a legitimate title match. But I thought the atmosphere in MSG for this was just so, so good, and it made it, it a better match. And, you know, after Reigns destroys, or after they all destroy the Street Profits, this is when Roman Reigns says, I don't care, I will beat Brock Lesnar after I beat Finn Balor. The lights go out. The smoke is filling up, and the demon Finn Balor rises. Finn Balor rises back into the fold for the very first time since, I believe, WrestleMania 35 in 2019. The demon is back. The demon has returned. Finn Balor got to the point where he needed to bring his other side out. I thought it was a tremendous spot. And um, I know a lot of people wondering why bring back Finn, Finn's demon after Finn Balor established himself so well in NXT as just this overall badass. And ah, uh, part of me thinks this could be a way that R Finn sees the demon getting destroyed once and for all. And it will allow him to just be himself moving forward. But again, we will see. On to Monday Night Raw, and this is a big celebration. This is a big moment. Uh, Raw from Boston. Yes, I could have went, but uh, we won't talk about that because I didn't want to deal. I could, I just couldn't make it. I just could not do it. But this is a celebration moment. This is so exciting. I think we can all agree that this was long overdue. And what I'm talking about is that Big E cashed in money in the bank to become the new WWE champion. After years of hard work, dedication, Big E has accomplished his dreams. Big E has become the top guy on Monday nights. Big E has become the guy for WWE. He is now the top babyface in the entire company. He opposes Roman Reigns on the other side as the top champion for a brand. And it was one of the best moments WWE has ever had. Big E winning the world title, no matter how he did it, was always going to be special. And the way I felt they did it here was perfect because... It was a moment that we could all enjoy. It was a moment that everyone, whether it be fan, wrestler, 
friend, family, everyone loved what Big E was able to finally accomplish. He, to many, including myself, is one of the true good guys in professional wrestling. He's one of the true stars in a sense that everything he does, you know he means it. You know everything he wants to do is for the best. And he's talked about his struggles getting to this point. It's no secret that at one time Big E felt to be the chosen one coming out of NXT. Everything about him pointed to being a world champion. But here we are in 2021, and until Monday, that was not the case. And really until last year, he wasn't a single star anymore. He was in the New Day. He did the work with the New Day. They became one of, if not the greatest faction in WWE wrestling history. That's how great the New Day have been as a trio, and they will continue to be moving forward. The moment Kofi Kingston said that he needs to go on his own, he being Big E, is the moment that WWE agreed it's time. It's time for Big E to rise up to the top and become a main event star. He won the Intercontinental Championship, a huge moment for him, but it was never about that. That was just a step in the right direction. What he needed was winning the WWE Championship. And this is exactly how I expected it to go. Him cashing in on Bobby Lashley made all the sense in the world. He announced it earlier in the day. He gave the hint, listen, I'm showing up on Raw tonight. I'm cashing in. I'm becoming WWE Champion. And he did it. He cashed in the moment that that pinfall was made. He became the champion. He was the new WWE. Like, I have to keep saying it because it's almost unbelievable because I never knew if we were going to get to this point, you know, say three years ago. I never knew if they were going to believe in Big E like they should again. And thank God they did because this was so perfect. The fans gave him a wonderful reaction. The New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods were able to be there and celebrate with him. And now they are back together. Big E is on top of the world. He deserved this. He, for a very long time, needed this. There were so many tweets, whether it was stars from AEW like Powerhouse Hobbs, Jade Cargill, uh, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood. Like, there was people coming out of everywhere. Bailey, Becky Lynch, Sami Zayn. This man is universally loved in professional wrestling. And you could feel that throughout the 24 hours following his title win. Congratulations to Big E. What he does as champion now will be very interesting. But to me, he makes Raw a watchable show because Big E is worth the time and admission, and admission you know, viewership. He's worth every step. Uh, but, but I also have to talk about how the WWE draft for 2000, what is the year? 21 has been announced. It'll start on October 1st on SmackDown and complete 
on October 4th on Raw. So we have a roster shakeup on the way, which of course is always necessary. It should be very interesting, and I hope that it goes well in terms of giving certain stars new opportunities and in other ways giving keeping certain other stars in the right spot because they deserve to shine where they already are. Uh, when it comes down to it, I will break it down probably next week. We will try to give some predictions for the preview either next week or the week after as we prep for that. But you definitely don't want to miss it. So, that is the two big shows for WWE. But now it's time we talk about NXT 2.0. So, NXT 2.0 was different. And it was different in a sense that they achieved exactly what they were aiming to do. But at the same time... It felt those who were once there, those like Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, they don't fit there anymore. For those who have been paying attention, of course, NXT is rebranded as NXT 2.0. They have the new colorful logo and setup, um, a great new arena in the performance center, which I thought was really, really good looking overall. But they have a new mission, and it's to make young stars. There's no more independent wrestling talents coming in to make NXT the third brand, make it the alternate. That's what AEW's here for, and that's why this is happening. And I thought, for what they're trying to accomplish, this was... A great start. Braun Breaker was the clear breakout from night one. Of course, Braun Breaker, terrible name, is the son of Rick Steiner. Um, There were rumors that he would be going by Rex Steiner, but that does not seem to be the case as he's going by the brutally bad name of Braun Breaker. But that seems to not be holding him back. He looked like a star. He acted like a star. Everything about Braun made him a star. He kicked off the show facing off with L.A. Knight, who would be in the NXT Championship match later that night, and he defeated him clean in the middle of the ring. If that's not a sign of them firmly believing in this guy, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Uh, There was a promo where Carmelo Hayes welcomed this guy named Trick as backup. And it was a very bad promo. But the goal was that Carmelo Hayes is not going to be modest anymore. He's going to show the world why he is the best. Why he is the NXT breakout star. They attacked Duke Hudson after Hudson made his entrance and stared them down. But Carmelo Hayes has been very adamant. This isn't a heel turn. This is just him showing the confidence in his greatness. 
I wasn't a big fan of this angle, which is unfortunate because I'm a really big fan of Carmelo Hayes, but I'm not going to give up hope just yet. Uh, the other major change here from the show, I guess, would come in a wrestler as Mandy Rose has embraced a new look. She looks like Tomb Raider. Um, Laura Croft, she... I think that's the name. Uh, she looks exactly like Tomb Raider. She has now brunette hair, uh, wearing, you know, black shorts, black top. Interesting look, but I, I appreciate the move if this means she's going to be more serious about the in-ring part and not about the, no offense to her, but her for the longest time they made her character about the looks. And I think Mandy can offer something to the table. I just don't understand at this point why she's in this NXT. If they're going to try to build young stars, she should be back up top. But I think this can bring her a long way. And I think this is the change she needed. Because I'm still kind of shocked they've never given her a title run, even if she's not the best. It's just someone that, you know, it always felt like they'd give a title to. And maybe this is what makes her trend back up uh, I talked last week about the Creed Brothers and Diamond Mind they once again looked amazing here absolutely amazing I loved what they did and after winning of course Malcolm Bivens introduced Ivy Nile to the Diamond Mind she is ripped out of her mind I forget I think she was the star of the Titan Games, which was the Rocks show on NBC at one point. And she has a star look. And I think this Diamond Mind idea has been great since they've started to add these new folks to it. And Malcolm Bivens, you know, he's having the time of his life. He's making people know why this is such a great time. And... For me, it's just been it's been the perfect beginning to what this NXT was supposed to be is getting over these young stars and Ivy Nile, the Creed brothers, you know, learning from the likes of Roderick Strong, Hideki Suzuki, and Malcolm Bivens is certainly a good thing for their careers long term. Uh, the Creed brothers, you know, they're a bunch of stars. The main event of the evening was for the vacant NXT championship after Samoa Joe relinquished the title on Sunday. It would be Tommaso Ciampa versus LA Knight versus Pete Dunne versus the debuting Von Wagner after Kyle O'Reilly was taken out of action by Pete Dunne earlier in the night. Von Wagner was added by William Regal, oddly enough. But in the end of the match, which I thought was a good match, Tommaso Ciampa won, becoming the second, the second man to hold, not not the second man to hold the NXT Championship twice, but this was his second reign. He got Goldie back after 900 plus days. This was a special moment for him. This was something that was a long time coming, and I didn't know if we would ever see this, but... He is the man that they have put their trust into moving forward in NXT. 
How long will that trust be? Well, we're not sure because when the show went to a close, Braun Breaker got in his face. He got in Champa's face and pretty much laid down a challenge. And this could be one of the biggest and fastest rises to a title we've ever seen in NXT or WWE. Braun Breaker has one match under his billing and he's already in the face of Tommaso Ciampa. It's something to watch because I think Braun Breaker could very well be NXT champion by the end of the year if they're serious. I think he needs to embrace the Steiner name sooner rather than later for his long-term career. But no matter what he's called, he's already clearly a star. He's clearly someone that they believe in. And I I agree. I totally agree. I think he is the star that you want to push to the moon long term for this brand. And then there was the wedding. There was a lot of comedy there. Indy Hartwell and Dexter Lewis in the end did get married. There was no uh, no mix. Uh, Dexter Lewis actually said I do. Um, he also choked the priest. Threatened to kill everyone with an axe if they didn't let them get married. Uh, Johnny Gargano was pretty funny throughout. Austin Theory was there back. It was weird, man. You know, this is the first NXT wedding, I believe. At least in the newer iteration. But either way, I sit here and think, and I'm like, this wasn't bad, first of all, but what's next for them? And the rumors, you know, that Fightful has reported that Johnny Gargano's contract is up soon. Maybe that has something to do with the next steps in the story. Maybe him and Dexter Loomis chase tag team titles. Maybe Indy Hartwell finally pursues the NXT Women's Championship. There's a lot of weird ways to go here with the way and Loomis, and I can't figure it out for the life of me. But going back to what NXT 2.0 is, it's exactly what they want it to be. It's the new building grounds, the new FCW, it's the new original NXT. This isn't about work rate. This isn't about great wrestling. It's about making stars. And by every account, that's exactly what Braun Breaker is going to be. He's clearly the budding star in this entire system right now. And pushing him to the top, making him that guy brilliant to me absolutely brilliant to me and I think NXT 2.0 is going to be really solid for them my only thing with it is that it shouldn't be on television I think NXT 2.0 this new version of NXT it's destined to be on Peacock it's destined to be that because putting these guys on TV and expecting them to deliver Views wise, it's just never, it's never going to happen in my opinion. So I think down the line, it's, it's probably unlikely NXT gets paid for by a top channel to be shown. So Peacock, again, makes all the sense in the world. You add live entertainment to the service and... It still allows these guys to be watched and learn instead of be put on TV and really sink or, sink or swim. I think 
Sinking and swimming isn't necessarily the best when you're trying to make young talent, especially when Raw and SmackDown are on that same level in the form of they're both on TV. So for me, you either move them to a smaller channel, but I would put them on Peacock moving forward. I think that's where NXT belongs. That's how you continue to make stars. That's how you continue to teach these guys without putting too much pressure on them in the early going. AEW, baby. Let's get into it. Let's kick off with Rampage. We're going to talk about the big match here. Pack versus Andrade El Idolo. How could this story break down? Well, the match itself was fantastic, in my opinion. I thought it hit where it needed to hit. I thought it delivered in a match that needed to deliver. Everything about it was entertaining. Everything about it was very good. And the end, while, you know, shitty, it enhance the story and that's that Chavo would hit pack with his iPad resulting in in Andrade getting the win as pack was knocked out and instead of this just being oh Andrade's happy about it no 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 he pretty much fired Chavo blamed him for it and he said listen I'm the kingpin you listen to me nobody else so long term this is a story to go with. And, you know, I hate seeing Pac lose, but it made all the sense. And they protected him in the end so that neither one are hurt at all, which is always a good way to go, I think, with two massive talents that need wins right now. Let's get to AEW Dynamite as Adam Cole, baby, kicked off his. AEW career inside the ring against Frankie Kazarian and man it's not shocking how great Cole looked it's not he looked like he didn't miss a beat and nor did you expect him to miss a beat he did he's wrestled it's not like he's been gone for three months he hasn't missed a beat everything about Adam Cole was on point and he is clearly the star for AEW moving forward and when I say the star I mean they're not going to always just have one main attraction like WWE does, but he is someone that they will build around. He is a major, major cog in the system, and I think long-term he might have the most potential of anybody outside of maybe Jungle Boy when it comes to gold and being on top in the promotion. After the match, he made the challenge to... Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy, that him and the Young Bucks will reform the Super Click to team up at Rampage Grand Slam. Yes, we are going to have two nights of Grand Slam action. One, of course, next Wednesday, the biggest AEW event in history, and the second will be Rampage as well. Alistair, so, nope, Malachi Black made his way down to the ring to cut a promo about how he's, you know, Cody Rhodes is his enemy and yada, yada, yada. And that's when they showed Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson, actress, uh, she, you know, appears in Star Wars and many, many other films and stuff. But, you know, this is a big, this is a big star right here. And she got physical. She would jump off. To jump on Malachi's black, of course, she was wearing the Nightmare Family 
jacket. She is on the Go Big show with Cody. And that's when Cody Rhodes would make his return to the company. Walking down the stairs in the crowd and aiding Rosario who was jumping around on the back of Malachi. They would fight through the stands all the way to the top. We would not see the conclusion of this fight, but it told a story. It showed us the insight of how much these two hate each other. And I thought that was really great building heading into Grand Slam. Jade Cargill defeated Layla Hirsch rather easily, but I think Layla Hirsch made Jade look like a million bucks. I think Layla Hirsch looked great. And the interesting thing that I've noticed with Layla Hirsch is I never remembered she was with the promotion until that match where she became the NWA World Women's Championship number one contender. You know, to fight Camille, I I didn't remember she was signed with them because they barely used her on TV. And since that match against the Bunny, she's just put on great showing after great showing after great showing. So that's a credit to her, you know, despite not being used unless you're on dark or whatnot, is that your time will come and you just have to keep showing when they give you an opportunity that you can be at that level. And I think Layla Hirsch deserves more credit than she gets. Darby Allen versus Sean Spears happened. It was fine. Um, This is all leading to Darby and Sting versus FTR at Grand Slam. There was an angle here between Dan Lambert and Chris Jericho. Uh, We finally have some back. We have some insight on where the Dan Lambert stuff's heading. Personally, I don't care. I think the Dan Lambert stuff has been overplayed for weeks now. I don't think it has any true direction in just tossing Jericho and Jake Hager into a fight with the men of the year is not something I was personally asking for. I think the Lambert stuff can move on and just stop because it's not worth the time. But what is worth the time is what we saw here. Brian Danielson... Kenny Omega in the middle of the ring once again. Danielson's talking about, you know, he thinks Kenny has lost his balls since being the best belt machine. He thinks he is not worthy to fight him. And Don Callis is going on about, well, why should you get a title match? You should earn it. And Danielson goes, I don't want the title. I just want to prove that I'm the best. And I want the best belt machine. To fight me about it. And that's when the best bout machine takes the microphone from Don Callis. And accepts the challenge from Brian Danielson. Solidifying that Brian Danielson's first match in AEW. Will be against the AEW world champion Kenny Omega. The show closed with Suzuki Goon and Moxley and Kingston fighting around the arena very good stuff here but again it was all about that Danielson and Omega little mishap but let's get to the preview for Grand Slam because my goodness what a show we got here Uh, we have six matches scheduled as well as CM Punk who was attacked by Team Taz on the show may I add 
he will talk on the show as well. But Grand Slam in Arthur Ashe Stadium, they have packed the card. Uh, we have MJF versus Brian Pillman Jr. The sooner that ends, the better. I'm um, picking MJF. We will have the team of Sting and Darby Allen facing off with FTR. I think FTR winning that match would make a lot of sense, whether it be a screwy finish or not. We have Cody versus Malachi Black, the rematch. And as much as I think Malachi Black should keep winning, this is probably where they give Cody back his win. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston will face off with Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer at Dynamite Grand Slam. Ooh boy. Now that's a tag team match. I think a lot of people will be very excited for that one. Of course, all the excitement will go to the main event, however. In the co-main event of the evening, the AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, will defend her championship against Ruby Soho, the one that won the Casino Battle Royal. Everything about this match has us interested. Does Ruby pull off the upset? Does Ruby end Britt's reign on top? Does does Britt Baker survive another title defense? She has been unstoppable. She's beat Nyla Rose. She's beat Chris Statler. She's beat Red Velvet. Ruby Soho, to me, is her biggest challenge yet. And this should be a massive match. But the main event of the evening... The match that is the talk of the town in all of professional wrestling will go down that night in what is likely to be the closing of the show as Kenny Omega will go one-on-one for the first time in over a decade since they both became two of the greatest wrestlers in the world of all time. It will be the first time that we see Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson in a very long time in this full form, in the form where they consider each other themselves the best wrestlers in the world. How do you book this match? How do you book a match with your world champion against a recently debuted guy? Do you go to a draw? Do you have a DQ finish? Do you have a shoddy finish where Danielson gets rolled up? What do you do to deliver what is a true dream match that not anyone expected to get? How do you do it? And I think the best is that you start the match at 9.30 and you say either 30-minute time limit or TV time remaining. And you go to a draw. I think that's the best way to do it because you don't want your world champion to lose in the middle of the ring. And it's very likely you don't want Danielson to lose his first match. A draw hurts neither one. A draw continues a story for a later time. And it gives you what can be one phenomenal singles match. One phenomenal match of the year candidate like many expect. How will they mix together? How will Danielson look once again as the American Dragon? There's so many questions to this. But the excitement breaks all those questions, breaks all those wonders. It makes it all worth it because this is what professional wrestling is all about. It's about this type of match. It's about the dream matches. It's about 
the things we never thought we'd see. But we're going to see it in the main event of the biggest AEW event ever. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Woo, freaking boy. I can not wait. I think they go to a draw. I think that's the best move. And I think if they go with the fact that the elite start attacking Brian Danielson, there's a chance, if I'm not mistaken, that's when Hangman Page makes his major return to AEW. It could be still way too early with Full Gear being just over a month. Uh, no, probably about two months away still. So we'll see what they go with. But this is what pro wrestling is all about, ladies and gentlemen. And we are spoiled in this one. So that's it from me this week. We are going to wrap up this show as it's coming out late of course, and you probably won't even hear this by the time SmackDown and Rampage air. That being said, even with that, please check this out, and we will talk about you know SmackDown and Rampage next week like we always do, and we're going to review some great professional wrestling next week because that that's what we're here for. Have a good one, everybody. You know it's all about the power!